0: Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Welcome to yet another Conversation With. We, are, um, uh, we have a really cool conversation planned for today. Um some of you may know his work. Um it's uh, he's rather pr- prolific. I'm actually kind of really surprised. I think one thing we're going to have to get into is um like so many other people we have on here like you know the JDs of the world. I don't know where he finds the time. The production value is a little bit ridiculous on his videos. Um but he's also a professional animator. Um his name is Dan- Daniel Floyd. And uh, we'll get a lot into both of those things, but mostly I think we'll talk a lot about his uh, his YouTube channel and uh, what drives him towards um, um, spending all that kind of time to put that kind of content out there. Um, but we, of course, have uh, David here as well. I'm going to bring him right in. Here he comes. Right here. I'm going to teleport him in. can't remember if I... I'm going to hit a sound effect, see if it works. Hey! <laughs> That's definitely not the right sound effect. I think it's... Is it this one? <laughs> There we go. There we go. (laughs) That's the one. That is the one. Close. You know, one's an air horn, one's applause, you know, no labels on this thing.
2: I'll give you a few points for trying. Hey, Brent. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, let's not waste any time. Let's bring in the man of the hour um, and uh, pick his brain. Um, As usual, people in chat, uh, if you've got some questions for Mr. Floyd, then please uh, do make sure hold off until towards the end. Otherwise, they get buried in the comments and um it ends up being a little bit um it, it ends up being a little bit difficult dif- difficult to uh, go through them all um some of you have already posted them on instagram by by replying to the uh, the actual post i think uh, yesterday or the day before i can't remember but um yeah so hold on to them if you have them for today um we'll get to them towards the end of like the last half hour like we usually do all right let's bring them in i'm gonna try to get the right one this time here we go daniel floyd everybody
0: it. <laughs> I like know. better, downward. slightly better. <laughs> I,
1: slightly better. Yeah, I was like, it may be a little bit, you know. I mean, I don't know. I the the horn was like epic. I don't know. I mean, it was like almost somehow it felt appropriate for you, David Daniel LaFloyd. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for Thank taking you. the time.
0: No,
1: oh, absolutely. I, Thank you for the invite. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. um I don't know how you would like to start this. I mean, I, I like I like I said, I think a lot of people know who you are in the animation community because there's not a lot of people putting that kind of content on YouTube on a regular basis, but uh-huh. uh, maybe you can kind of give us a kind of a condensed overview of you in a nutshell, like where you're kind of coming from and like, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what got you doing YouTube?
3: Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I came from Georgia originally and I... Wanted like I was uh studying in school to get into animation and uh went to places like uh, Savannah College of Art and Design for a little while. Uh animation mentor eventually is where I really got good finally. Oh. Uh and uh at the same time as I was like after I'd accepted my first animation gig and was traveling out to do it, at the same time my you like YouTube videos that I had started making mostly for class had started like getting traction on the internet and started like getting an audience. So I basically have kind of had two parallel careers for the entire time I've been professional <laughs> anything wow. doing animation on one side and YouTube stuff on the other in parallel and I've just not stopped doing it because I enjoy <laughs> both of them too much <laughs> so currently like I'm working at a game studio and in my free time running two YouTube channels. One that's a like more chill mm-hmm. let's play thing with my wife called Playframe yeah. and yeah. a, and an animation uh, analysis channel called New Frame Plus.
1: Yeah, what was the original one? Because I went to it the other day because um, I subscribed to that a long time ago. And so like <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember his channel. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. And then, yeah. and then I saw the the most recent video was like, oh, by the way, FYI, I am closing this channel. I mean, it's still here, but if you want to find <laughs> me, you can find me these two other new channels. What, what, what went through your mind? Why did you decide to split the brand a little bit
3: well so so the the channel that you'll see that video on that's saying like hey i'm not here anymore that's just kind of like my personal Channel that I had created for like okay just like I've created a YouTube account and I watch YouTube videos here right. and that's what I that's what I originally posted some videos on way yeah. back in the day for school uh, yeah. when those videos started taking off uh, we like I partnered up with some other folks and we mm. turned that into a whole series on a separate channel right. called Extra Credits and we it, ran okay. that for years and years yeah and then I, that's still going mm. I'm not part of it anymore but that's mm. that's still ongoing but when I mm. left that I decided to create new things uh, and it just kind of helps to get a nice clean start for, yeah. me, for me just to get some like a, a nice sense. clean start with new youtube channels so i have like so the the daniel floyd channel is what i've is just kind of my like my own just personal use one and what mm. i like do test uploads to and stuff like that right. and then, yeah but then, yeah. i don't think there's anything
1: recent on there but like uh the nah. frame plus is obviously where you're doing the bulk of your your
2: uh analysis to work now
3: yes yeah. yes yeah. that's definitely the home for that at this point for the highly edited video essay style yeah. thing
2: yeah yeah yeah, I got to say one of the things that uh, impressed me because it, the uh, uh, new Frame Plus uh, channel is something I discovered myself only a couple of weeks ago. And mm, yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And mm. the, the thing that struck me is like, wait, what? Gameplay, animation, th- mm. th- this is pretty niche. And yeah, there's yeah, <laughs> the videos in there that have one than 1 million views. I was like, oh, wh- what? <laughs> and then I started to look and I was like, oh my God, this is so entertaining while you know there's good educational analysis uh, in there so how did you how did you find your your style where did you kind of refine this kind of uh, art form of uh, having an analysis on one side that is super rich with information but at the same time it's it's mainstream it's entertaining Mm -hmm. for pretty much anyone even if you're not in animation you just like video game or art in general it's still super so how can you develop this this uh, the this style that you uh, 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 over time
3: those are some really kind words thank you uh, so I it's sort of came from a result of, because I'd been working on that other channel, Extra Credits for a long time, and my role there had been, and the whole reason I'd started like making some of those early videos or started doing them outside of class anyway, was that I was reading these interesting pieces by game designers and people in the game industry on sites like Gamma Sutra and other industry, mostly industry facing stuff, kind of talking to each other and sharing their ideas and thoughts. And I, as a person who just enjoyed games and was like s- studying animation and was also just really interested in the industry, was like, this is, this is really interesting Interesting stuff. I don't think most people know this. This is really interesting. And I thought that like packaging this sort of industry talk information in a way that is to like better to present to people who just enjoy games, who might enjoy learning about this stuff, like that it seemed to me like I wish this show existed and I will make it. (laughs) And uh And so like over the course of working on that series for a long time, eventually we would have like a designer who was writing the episodes and I would be sort of show running more. Uh, I just got a lot of practice at taking a script and in kind of the revision process trying to hone it for appeal and entertainment to people who aren't professionals but would be who i feel like would still find this interesting because i think this Mm. is interesting stuff that uh a lot of people may not even realize how interesting it is uh so i just got a lot of time and a lot of just hundreds (laughs) of scripts that i just refined over time and had practice at that and so when i kind of split off to like Uh, when I split off from that channel and was just trying to think of what I should go on to do, I'd already made a few videos about game animation because like every now and then there'll be a topic that comes up like, oh, this one character's pose got changed because it drew some criticism for just sort of like the like sort of pandering like sexuality of that particular Mm. pose. And so it Mm -hmm. was in like, there's lots of times when game animation comes into sort of like the general, uh yeah. like gamer conversation, like Pokemon games, like lose half of like the, the the national decks gets cut in half, and and animation gets blamed for that, or yeah. uh, someone at Ubisoft says that like women are too hard to animate, like in, <laughs> in those rare instances, <laughs> like like something, these things come into conversation now and then, and people want to know, and people like. Enjoy animation in these games and may not like really recognize Mm. why or what's so cool about it. And so I think it, it occurred to me like, I've learned, I've been studying animation for a long time. I've been learning from some of the best, both at like Animation Mentor and then in like on the job at places like Pixar Canada and stuff like that. I can take, I've got a lot of information that I've been taught that I can package up in a way that i think even people who don't want to be animators who just enjoy games would really enjoy and like appreciate and uh, but (laughs) But (laughs) what partly it's just a fun creative outlet like partly because i've been doing it so long now that it would feel weird if i wasn't like i've never been working professionally and not also doing youtube on the side but uh i just like i get a lot of creative fulfillment out of it too like it's it's something that like even when like you guys have been working in the industry longer than me. There are various times where you'll be working on a project that is not the most creatively interesting, but you, you got, you find something to be interested in, in it. You, you find a way yeah, to get invested. To. You have to. Mm-hmm. And so, like sometimes if like, if work is not providing that creative investment, then having a side project helps immensely for me. And it's just a, it's just a good outlet. I think yeah. Uh It, it helps, it helps me to just like maintain some nice life routine too. So um, it's yeah. funny.
1: There's a there's a common there's a commonality to you know the the the, the people like yourself. I mean I I guess David <laughs> and I are are included in that group now because we spent a lot of time online doing this, right? And so yeah, we're I now so. Part of yeah, you're club. included. And it's but it's it's weird. Like it's almost like it's a weird addiction in a weird way because it just feels really good for on two spectrums, at least in my mind. Like I feel like part of it, I mean, I've always I've always I, I've been teaching pretty much almost like very, very soon after I left school, and so, it, and I think it just comes from I like it so much the craft that it excite it excites me that I can show other people how to do something that I'm excited by. Yeah. So there's exactly. part of it is that the other part mm-hmm. is that it's like you know the benefit of like the it's the analytical part of the process that helps me better understand my own craft. It's like oh. Actually, I don't know why I do it like that, but I kind of wish I did. And then (laughs) I just needing to explain it. I mean, it must be a very therapeutic process, what what your videos, because they are really in depth. Like they are like, like, I they like textbook like they if you really when you break again for if you haven't seen his videos they really are quite thorough and and like the the audio visual guides and the breakdowns it's like you will you can watch one of these things and feel like you totally understand animation and games because you know you really do lay it all out there and I mean I'm not saying that because you're here it's like I mean I really honestly believe that it's well, um it's true and I mean so that that in itself must serve that part of the equation as well because i mean spending that kind of time literally packaging the information like this you can't stand you can't you can't avoid it benefiting you in some way because you're like wow yeah actually i understand this even better now because i had to like put it out there
3: absolutely Do you feel like- it yeah. gives me incentive to keep on to keep track of what's coming out every single year to like sort of sure. watch what interesting is happening mm-hmm. and in studying it and breaking it down it's like it it can't not help like what i'm doing in the day to day to see mm-hmm. like here's what all the rest of the industry is doing here's the yeah. new stuff that's happening here's how they're doing it here's here's interesting successes both at the like the peak aaa side and at the just like really clever efficient indie side like where like successes everywhere and what makes this work and why and uh, how do they achieve this what what is making this what's making this jump feel so good whether like Mm -hmm. it's again a nathan drake jump or like a madeline jump at celeste what makes this feel so good and just digging into on an animation level frame by Mm -hmm. frame like what's happening there uh like there's there's a lot to learn and it is fun to like take that i figured this out and i think other people are going to enjoy this who love this game would love to know why this feels so good
1: well i think i think that especially in video game like gameplay animation like david said like it's very niche because there's so much (laughs) psychology involved in it right like there is like it's to understand game animation you need to understand game language and game like just game mechanics like you like you can't like the jump was a perfect example like i remember being new to video games uh, animating for video games and i i was the kind of guy who came in on the first day going what do you mean we can't have an anticipation in a jump you know <laughs> like what well, for real like like you can't yep. that's like sacrilege <laughs> you have to have an anticipation otherwise where do you get your thrust like what and then and then the, of course you then you tried try to do an anticipation in a jump and then hate the, every second of playing that game because obviously it really sucks because yep. now you can't actually make the jump at ever because you have to like factor in the number of frames of delay you're going to experience as you're still moving forward and falling off the cliff. So it's like, that is why, like you said, there is such a, there's such a, a science and art to making something like a jump, like, the balance between the aesthetics and the actual, the, 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 the the utility as far as a player is concerned is such a delicate balance. And some people just seem to have like that, that recipes just so, so tied down and so perfect. And sometimes every once in a while, somebody comes along and does something totally surprising. And then we're all like, Whoa, why, why is it like that? (laughs) So it's cool to have someone who takes that analytical approach and tries to get, give an answer to, to why.
3: Yeah, where mm-hmm. I can provide it. There's That's mm-hmm. the thing. I also enjoy doing it because I still feel, even though I've been like animating professionally for 10 years, 11, 10 and a half, 10 and a half years and I've been in games for seven, I still feel like I barely know anything. Mm-hmm. And so like studying mm-hmm. what others are doing, watching GDC talks or finding people yeah. who've written elsewhere or just studying what they did and trying to see like how is this working this way is yeah. really like fascinating. I feel like it helps me uh, a great deal as well. Yeah, yeah. Us, just like teaching does. Yeah, like
2: totally yeah sense. and so, so something that you the the that you mentioned is that you you're doing it because you know it's if if you're not do, doing it who's going to do to do it that's the kind of uh, content yeah. that you hope that you would have yeah. had uh, uh previously which is definitely a you know a feeling that we have with everything that we're doing with the uh, agri community uh, as well so we can definitely relate to uh, to that Um, I'm definitely curious to to know what is your uh, workflow when you're creating those Mm -hmm. videos. So let's take the, I don't know if it's the last Mm -hmm. one, but it's it's the last one that I personally watched, the uh, Sonic uh, analysis. So from the idea of, all right, I'm going to... Do Sonic uh, Mm -hmm. from the moment that you upload the video on YouTube. What is the journey you go through in between the idea and the uh, final execution?
1: For the record, before you actually give us the breakdown, I have to admit I I really appreciated that on the honesty at the beginning of the video where you're like, you know. And so I decided I'd take a minute to you know take a little while to go through literally all of them from the beginning to the end and have a little fun along the way. It turned out I was a little wrong about the second thing, but hey, (laughs) we're gonna keep going anyway. I just like it's like these little these little gems that you drop like they're just it's you have a very natural delivery like it's textbook worthy but it's also very human and very like (laughs) honest which I think is cool but yeah
3: Yeah, I I feel that that's like that is what matters a great deal to me is managing to package all this information in a way that is it can't just be informational it has to be engaging and entertaining or Mm. people will click away Uh, like like it always bothers me every time I see like at any job like uh, seeing just like orientation videos that are either (laughs) whether they're super like overproduced or super dry that are just so boring that it's, that by the time you finish watching them, you haven't actually like internalized no, anything no. it bothers the heck out of me yeah like, pretty, i just feel like that studio could have hired just some totally. random video essayist on youtube for a tiny fraction of the price yep, and totally and for so much better effect anyway i agree uh, the the uh the so for like the sonic video first you have to make an error in judgment and decide to do it in the first place <laughs> Second, <laughs> Seems like a good idea on paper <laughs> there's so many ideas that like i i'm very guilty of having sort of like this idea of like oh this would be mm. a blast and then committing myself to like months or years of work mm. uh So for something like (laughs) that, my first step will be probably just noticing something about like, this is, there's, there's something really interesting about this that is worth studying. Like for the Sonic Mm. games, it was a case of there have been so many Sonic games and Sonic has such an interesting history of like a variation of quality. And I I started noticing, I just kind of had noticed over the years that like some of these, like the the curve of quality on Sonic games, gameplay wise and animation wise does not line up. That's mm. kind of interesting. And I can't think of yeah. a whole lot of other like triple a known mascot properties that have this uneven of a road of quality mm. throughout their lifespan. Like, and that is, it's, it's surprisingly rare in the game industry. So I sort of thought for that sure. would be an Especially interesting brand retro- character like that. Like, yeah. I
1: mean, it's like, it's not a small unknown niche character. Like Sonic is, mm. I mean, they just made just finished making a movie with Jim Carrey. Like it's yeah. a known brand.
3: <laughs> exactly. Like it's been around for 20. No. Yeah. Forever, he's been around I for think, yeah for a long time. I so, say thirty. Yeah, Sega Genesis so, was the first. Yeah, thirty. Was it? it's, I literally said it in the video. Thirty. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's been around a long time, and such a variation of quality. That's interesting. That's a that is a retrospective journey worth going yeah, down because it'll have totally. interesting ups and downs. So I'll have that idea, and then I'll mm. say, okay, let me let me acquire all these games. Uh, get acquire the hardware to (laughs) play them in certain cases because I didn't have a Dreamcast lying around. That's it. Did you have to get emulators
1: or something? Like how did you solve uh, that logistical problem? So like
3: I have over the years built up a large suite of hardware for like capture I prefer to capture games on their original hardware where I can, especially for this show
1: because purist after all.
3: uh, Yeah like if for my casual play, sure, like now and then, an emulator is like is just fine; it'll do. But if I'm yeah. analyzing the animation, I no, want I get to it. like I want to see nope. it running on its original thing. Like,
1: it's not just this, but it's also the controllers. I mean, like the, the, the design of the mechanics of the characters were the controllers were heavily considered in all of that. So, you, you, you'd be doing it no justice by not doing that. Yeah, so like to be like fair, if I were you to... probably had. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
3: No, it's okay. Like, if I if I was recording Final Fantasy VII, say, like, if I were yeah. to just pick up the version that's on Steam right now, that is in high resolution. You're seeing those characters at a resolution where you can see faces you could not see on the PS1. That totally. fundamentally changes the experience that this animation was made for. It's that sort of Absolutely. nitpickery that is unnecessary, but I yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. am committed to it now. So <laughs> I will acquire all the stuff that I need to do. I will mm. play through not... Some of those games I finished, some of them I just played through enough to where I was like, okay, I've got a feel for it. the animation. And yeah. this. I've got enough to show that I have seen what this game has to offer animation wise. Yeah. I've captured, I, I spent basically in this video's case, and the Sonic video is a, a, an exception because it's longer than anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I spent like a month just playing and capturing footage from various Sonic games and taking notes while I was doing it, stuff I was noticing. Yeah. Uh, then watching the f- recorded footage back frame by frame occasionally to see what is, yeah. I know this feels worse. Why? Like trying mm-hmm. to like A and B test stuff and just uh, compiling a huge long list of notes then going through the process of taking those notes and actually like uh, trying to get them into like a nice script form, yeah. adding in some jokes, f- trying to find a flow like, okay, this section's too long. It feels like it's dragging. This needs a little bit more something like th- this, just like working on the script. That'll take a while. Then recording it, which for most videos is just a one and done session thing. But because this was so long, it took me numerous sessions because my voice would keep on frying out and sounding bad. So I would just spend weeks just recording audio and then Cleaning up audio and post processing and all that stuff, it's, then taking all that footage and editing it. And yeah,
1: <laughs> hold on a second. So, I have a question about the voice. This is a yeah. very technical question, but I'm, yes. I'm curious as a content creator to content creator, I would like to know absolutely is the so okay. So, let me just repitch it back to you so I see if I understand it. So, you're okay. essentially you're you're you have a basic idea, you know, mm-hmm. like you the premise in your head of there's an evolution here, it seems all over the map can we kind of try to figure out exactly why and where it's all over the map? Let's just take a journey. So you just, first, you just, you just commit yourself to absorbing and playing and making notes, right? And maybe even doing recordings when you feel like there's something, Hey, well, there's something here. I'd like to record it now. So I don't go back and get it later. And basically then you go over those notes, you look for a narrative, some sort of arc that you can actually sort of draw some sort of like journey through this whole thing. And like, you know, with, with like points of interest being sort of like highlighted, but then well, you, then I guess you go back and maybe record footage that you haven't already recorded. And then when at what point are you doing the audio over though? Like I almost, because feel, it feels so tight to the actual video. It really feels like you're almost narrating to what you're actually, what you're, what we're actually looking at it. Is it more the other way around? Like where you're doing a script and you're laying down the audio first, and then you're actually editing to that. Is that what you're doing? It,
3: it, it kind of varies from video to video. Okay. I've tried several different approaches. The one mm. I've had the most success with is uh, the process you described, like the, record footage take notes uh i will often times especially if i'm recording mm. like if i'm playing through a game and i know i'm getting footage of stuff i will just leave recording going for mm. the length of the time i'm playing i have right probably like a tetrabyte or more of sonic footage just piled up imagine. now uh just piled up now on the like You
1: index it somehow like how to like i mean you get that much footage now like good luck going back through it all like i mean
3: yep that's a, that's a step too good luck in your <laughs> like, life, huh? yeah okay yeah instead of taking all right i the mm. yeah Good news, I have 60 hours of Sonic game footage. Bad, <laughs> Bad news, I have 60 hours of Sonic game Jeez. footage to sort oh, through geez. and find like, a, like here's the specific clips and moments that I remembered like as being the examples that I wanted yeah. to focus on. But there are certain things that are just like, the, here's a nebulous aspect about Sonic's movement what footage communicates that best so basically yeah. what, I, what i'll be doing is i'll be re- referring to my footage as i'm uh, as i'm trying to write out the script so i can like uh yeah. point out the specific things right. about like here's about why this run works when if when you see it frame by frame whereas this okay. one has has issues uh I, I will go back and record more footage if there's something really specific i need or if the footage right. i have is just like not clean enough to where it to where it's got too much other kind of like junk visual data in there that's not mm. that's distracting yeah. um and i may throughout the entire process have to go back and feel like all right hang on let me get like this let me just get the footage of this jump again real quick real clean in this in this setup where the color contrast is better or something uh and then i will have the script all written and then i will just uh like all footage aside, just like narration. Okay, I've got the script. I am reading and recording this, and getting all the narration in. So I basically have a voice track for my entire right. thing.
1: And are you using some visual aid while you're doing that? Or are you just like nope. literally just trying to naturally deliver as if you're just orating a sort of a presentation without any visuals?
3: Totally Would that you, second one. Just 100 that. Okay. Wow, yeah, yeah. At, at that point, I have been. I like. I see Sonic when I close that's my it. eyes. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's it. It's, I get it's it. all in my memory at that point. Yeah. And then I. And then after I've got all that laid out there, I'll have recorded a bunch of takes. Uh, for like occasionally there'll be certain uh, like I'll have a bunch of audio takes where if I feel like I don't know I won't know until I see the footage with it which of these reads feels right but I'll keep them both just sort of in the file and then I'll just get into like Adobe Premiere with all my footage with that track and just start all right start at the beginning (sighs) let's start finding the right clips to demonstrate this. And wow. let's just try to what put, find the music to put under there to keep. Yeah. And, keep yeah. and the graphics too. You have a lot of that graphic
1: too. work, like motion graphics. Like it's the whole Kent and caboodle. You have spared no expense quite literally. <laughs> and it sounds like you have by the sounds of it. And you even make mention of this in a couple of your videos. Um, it's like a trend. Like you kind of talk about how you have all these other projects that are on the go. And like, so there's like, there's all these, these analyses that are in some, some state of completion like how many do you usually typically have going on at any given time
3: usually i've got like at least two or three that i kind of like that maybe not in the works yet but they're like i have the idea and i know that i want to do that i'll probably do that next the one like the one exception to this is, is i've been working on a very large uh similar to the sonic thing but for final fantasy from the beginning but mm. like i'm planning those as like a as a lot of individual videos because those okay. there's just too much animation in each of those yeah. to really get into and just one big retrospective thing but i've been recording footage for that for like 5 years oh my uh, god <laughs> i'm wow, almost done <laughs> i'm about to start it finally so i'm really excited about oh, yeah. but uh, usually i'm trying to take these just one at a time because like i between day job a let's play channel and working on this like i just there's so little time and it's already so many things to split my focus across. I can't be like, I can't be juggling multiple Mm. video productions at once. Yeah. Well you, and
1: you also have a family.
3: Uh, Well, fortunately, like I'm like, I've, I have, have a wife and some cats. I don't have kids, which makes Mm. life. If I had kids, I do not think I could do this. Like I, I don't know how JD does it. (laughs) Like he, he puts out way more stuff than I do. And he's like, and family and job. Mm. And like, it's, bonkers like i I like frankly i've been dealing with burnout over the last year myself i do not know how he does it i'm amazed
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think he's either not human or he's got a twin brother that those are my running theories
3: i i like those theories (laughs) yeah yeah it
1: makes me feel a little bit
3: better about myself because otherwise i don't know how he does it either it's crazy youtube is too full of other people that are too good at what they do to like it it pushes the level of quality of what i do Mm. as well like i look at uh other youtube channels like game makers toolkit who does something oh, very yeah. similar to new frame plus but for yeah. game design yeah. Yeah. his motion graphics game is so like not like i know intimidatingly good i know <laughs> I, i've like i've tried to raise my game but i've hit like a cap to where like until i'm doing this full time this is as far as i can go and still yeah. get videos out ever <laughs> so, so what true, he does right? is bonkers
2: i know And do you find this like motivating or you know, just
3: <laughs> I'm, like I, my perfectionism gets in my way enough as it is that I'm trying to like, like have some restraint enough to like, yeah. all right, work loose, work fast. No, like I could spend another two hours on the, this fiddly little graphics bit. Literally no one would care. <laughs> like, mm. But me, but you would, yeah, like and I it. would, and I do. So I'll probably still spend thirty minutes yeah, on it. But, exactly. like, <laughs> yeah,
1: perfectionism is a thing. It kind of gets yeah, in the yeah. way.
3: I don't recommend it. Mm.
2: So, so what are some some of the uh, video that you were the, the most satisfied with mm. once you're done creating them, and, and why?
3: The Sonic one definitely just felt like an achievement in like that's a feature film length video, and I've I won't do that again. But I feel proud for having actually done it. That was that was a real large thing to take on and then finish. Uh I'm very proud of the uh the one about Arc System Works and uh the Guilty Gear uh Xard and uh Dragon Ball Fighters Fighter Z I th- Dragon Ball Fighters that's what it is. Uh like their whole faux 2D process like yeah. I, I was really pr- proud of that video in particular. I'm also really proud of the how to become a game animator one. Uh that's mm. one that I put together by just basically pulling in um like just writing out all the knowledge I knew about like all the advice I would give someone who was wanting to get into game animation and then reaching Mm -hmm. out to like a dozen of my peers and who'd been in the industry way longer than me working in tons of different studios who could give just more of their advice Mm -hmm. and just getting like getting all that pulled together into just a half hour presentation that can be easily shown like hey if you're interested in this career here's literally all the information I could find from all the people I could ask Mm -hmm. Uh, this is like I hope this this will hopefully get you a place to get started and uh, an idea of what to expect like I think those are the three that I think I'm most proud of of thus far
2: so so you would would you say that those are the ones that you feel that bring the most value to your audience that are the one that you're end up being most satisfied with
3: i think so like it's hard to say like i know some people really enjoy the uh like the 12 principles video breakdowns uh some people just really enjoy the like end of the year here like just quick bit like here's my favorite bits of game animation i saw throughout the year uh some people will just like when you talk about somebody's favorite game and like throw some praise on something cool about it, that'll probably be for a lot of people, their favorite video in the bunch. And so like, I I know different Mm. people enjoy different things, but uh, I, I feel like, like the, how to become a game animator offers something like really useful for people who are interested, like not just on a casual, I like games and this is interesting level, but I want to actually, this looks interesting enough. I want to do it. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and the others, like, I just feel proud of how some of the other ones just came together and just their pacing and their flow and just the information delivered and all that. Mm-hmm. So some videos I'll finish, I'll feel like, that's pretty good. I feel like I've done better than that, but that mm-hmm. one's pretty good. And yes. some of them I finish and feel like that was, yes, mwah, if only I could do that every time. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you have any videos that you just abandoned and you're like, mm-hmm. you never ended up <laughs> finishing?
3: Oh, that's a good question. I put, yeah, our, usually I will, like... It's probably at the script level where I'll, f- like, if I'm mm. getting in the script level and I'm finished writing it, and I feel like this is okay, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like enough. Like, I don't know. I'm not even excited about, enough about this one to, like, push through mm. the rest of the creative process on this one. Mm. I'll at least put it on the back burner until, until mm. maybe, like, there's some good ideas in there. I could, I can pull from that later. Uh, but there's no reason. Like, there's, there's better things I could do right now. We'll leave that, we'll let that one sit.
1: Every so now, and missing it, a spark, like it was missing a real hook that made you feel like, oh yeah, this is people yeah. want to watch this.
2: Yeah, that, that that's pretty good. And it comes out to the point that you're like, well, you this is a kind mm. of content that I would have liked to 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 see, you know, earlier in, in my career. So in some sense, you are, you know, not to say that you are a fan of what you're doing, but you are your audience. You so if you're not excited about you know a script yeah. or an idea or something like that, it's usually a good sense that. Uh, I have a good sense that maybe other people might not be as excited with this idea as that. Yeah,
3: and maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to say. But like, if I'm hitting a point where I'm not so 100% sure on a thing at a script level, there, like, I got a bunch of work ahead of me that I have to that I'll have to slog through whether I like it or not. And if I don't like it, let me let's maybe let's find something I'm excited about to make first at least. (laughs) Yeah, as with all things, it's better to find.
2: (laughs) <laughs> you you don't have to do to do it, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. It's basically the main inspiration and motivation is coming from the excitement of doing it. You know, liking to to doing it, and if for any reason the excitement is not there. Eh, I'm going to spend my time on something else because I don't have any supervisor that tells me, no, this video, you have to finish it. So
3: no, nope. that, that's true. It is nice having that flexibility of not being like beholden to <laughs> beholden to some like very rigid schedule. Mm. Like even the channel would be growing way faster if I actually was releasing stuff regularly, but I'm like, this is as fast as I can manage right now. So while having a full-time job at the same time. So like I do yeah. what I can.
0: Well,
2: and, I, and it shows, oh, and it, uh, right. sorry, Brent, and it shows okay. that you're taking your time because, again, coming back to the Sonic video, but that's the same. I, I was also looking at the uh, Hollow nights, you know, the visual effect uh, analysis and all that. It, it's so rich. You just take mm-hmm. like 30 seconds of those videos, and there's so many things that are analyzed yeah. and broken yeah. down and, and in, in different angles that you're like, yeah, it's you cannot produce those you cannot produce like two or three of those a week there's no No way way. Uh, (laughs) even full-time there's just no way
3: yeah not not by myself like i've like with extra credits i was working for with a team we'd have like at least like a half dozen people involved in some phase of any given episode and so we could come out with like two or three in a week Mm -hmm. and like like staff up but as of yet i've just not found like maybe someday i'll find some like creative partners to work with to like be able to produce these more often, but I do also enjoy having ownership of it. It's a, it's a tough trade off. Yeah. That was my
2: question. Is is that something that you see yourself continue just on your own and have full ownership, full, you know, flexibility, freedom and all that, or eventually you'd like to, you know, scale up a little bit and and collaborate with uh, other people.
3: It's a, it's a good question. I kind of, I go back and forth on it. I would love to be able to put this stuff out more often because I have way more ideas for like videos that would be interesting to make than I have time to ever do. And uh, I do love being able to just release and produce stuff more often. It's, it's always just a big morale boost being able to finally like, ah, it's out there and people are seeing it and excited about it and enjoying it. But uh, mm. at the same time, like I'm, I irritate myself with my perfectionism enough. I don't want to inflict that on somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> you know, the thing <laughs> I, It takes discipline Uh, to learn to like hand off some part of a creative thing. Like you guys have been leads and directors and stuff too, right? You have to know like how to, (laughs) it takes a little exercise of like restraint to be able to like, I'm entrusting this to you and this is (laughs) yours and I'm going to let you have it and not be just like animating through you. Yeah, well,
1: it's particularly difficult when you know you have to give it to somebody that you know they're going to sort of struggle a little bit with it, but you know Mm. that they kind of need to for them to grow a little bit. That's always a little tricky, especially when you're looking at the calendar going, oh man, like, like, what do you, like, he... You, you know roll the dice and that, like you're gonna back them up and help them get that done but like you know that it might be sometimes easier to either do it yourself or maybe mm-hmm. give it to somebody else you know this is gonna but but yeah it's it's always a, it's always a balance right you're always like the, the big picture needs to be taken into consideration it's sometimes a little hard to do the math you know the funny thing that i It's interesting, like, I'm curious what you use for inspiration on trying to figure out the subjects um, of your videos, because I've always been surprised as to like. So one of the things we do at Agora, we will do reviews and we do like we we, uh, we review people's work, but we also do videos like this. And a team of editors goes through it and looks for the, these little gems that they can cut down in a small size, and they get mm-hmm. put out there um, on LinkedIn. And we get, you know, it's the idea is to try to, pro- to provide a little bit of accessibility to some of these things because obviously, big long hour and a half videos are not for everybody. Like it's it's a lot totally. for them to watch, especially if they're gonna. Especially it's it's more fun doing it live, right? Because you show up, you kind of feel like you're part of the conversation. Yeah. Um. And some people just don't have the time either, right? So we're trying to make a way. We're trying to find a way of giving that information. In, in different types of formats, so that everybody can somehow benefit from it. That's what I would do it. I, yeah. I, well, it with David and I's philosophy is like, if you can't, if you don't ever do anything that you can't chop up and like repack <laughs> <people laughs> five different ways. Because, I should learn from you. <laughs> well, I mean. It's, it's a different, but it's a different, it's a different perspective, right? Because you're, 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 you're going, your vein is about these like slightly longer format, um, you know, videos and you're going all in, like we don't go all in, we don't have like motion graphics in our videos. It's all about just like the raw content. Um, so I mean, like they're both extremely interesting and it all depends what you're looking for. But I mean, the, what I find interesting the most though, is I often find myself surprised by the actual little tidbits that get, that that are most engaged with. Some, like for instance there was one just recently that i keep getting pinged on because i'm because i've been i've been mentioned in it it was one of these things that came up in a review about a quadruped and i just talked about how you know the the, the cord are they doing a really good quadruped and one of the one of the most important things is is just the way that the just something as simple as paying attention to the feet and the way that the weight transfers because you have two extra legs and like thinking about that because people struggle animators struggle with just two legs so obviously adding another two is a a challenge for some but also there's an opportunity there because if you can do dive deep and in and, and establish an understanding of what's really going on there mechanically your stuff's going to look good it's going to feel heavy the characters are, you know like usually quadrupeds like tigers and bears they they should feel heavy otherwise they're not going to be feel, feel very intimidating And I just, I just kind of had this very high level point and everyone's like, oh my God, that's really cool. And I'm thinking to myself, I would have never thought that that would have been something that people would have really (laughs) engaged with. I thought it was a better, other better points over there. So in your mind, because part of like investing the kind of time you do on your videos, how do you, like, are you just using your own inner instincts uh, as as, as far as like the topic and whether it's going to be something people are interested in? Do you, are you somehow, are you polling people sometimes you do any kind of focus testing what do you do? Uh so
3: like I've tried several different things. Uh at one for a stretch for a while, uh like a year or so ago, I was taking a lot of like smaller, more specific focus topics from uh my patrons for Newframe Plus. Mm. Yeah. Uh which was pretty useful because uh they would I would like have uh, them pitch a bunch of ideas and then i would like take a collection of the ideas that feel like ooh, these are th- i can i can latch onto some of these these seem like the l- interesting ones and then have the patrons vote all right which one of the- these do you guys want me to do next mm. and and that did result in some interesting videos that i would not have probably like on my own unprompted jumped into like the hollow knight uh effects one was one that was that was a patron suggestion That's other ones deep. like yeah like mario's triple jump and very and persona fives like uh battle like all out attacks and stuff like that those are ones that i would not have probably that, that i'd have noticed the animation and thought that's very mm. cool but probably mm. not have like d- dug in deep to study it and find something yeah. to talk about in it yeah uh, i did a number of those but i did find that it started like so much of what i'm doing has to run on my own enthusiasm mm-hmm. or th- because i don't have a schedule and because i'm yeah. doing this in between the cracks so i started finding that i was starting to it was starting to feel a lot more like work than a fun yeah, thing. You know? yeah. and i really mm. could feel it just uh I could feel it slowing my pace. I could feel it just sort of in the like the quality level, even a little bit of the videos I was starting to put out. So yeah. I decided like I need to, I need to go back to like making these based on things that are that I'm really excited about talking about. Mm-hmm. Like taking mm-hmm. suggestions is still helpful because there's lots of, there's too much yeah. game animation
1: to see. Well, and but, there's uh, also,
3: there might be an intersection, right? Like yeah, maybe yeah. there's something that someone's like, hey, what about this? You're like,
1: wow, that is a good idea. I should totally do a talk on that. And that's perfect because <laughs> mm-hmm. now it's something you're interested in. Clearly your, your community is also interested in it. So you just, you go you go all in, right?
3: Yeah. And and I've been <clears throat> doing stuff on YouTube long enough that I'm definitely not to, like the kind who can predict that's going to be a hit. That's going to be a hit. That's not going to be mm-hmm. a hit. like, I can't do that, but I can, yeah. I've got a little bit of an instinct of like a little bit of what the internet likes. So when I was thinking about the Sonic thing, I was thinking, this is interesting to me. And this sort of sonic retrospective historically has been very interesting on YouTube, too. And I've enjoyed watching a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I had a feeling like if I do this right, this is going (laughs) to people are going to enjoy this. And so when I have a feeling like that, where like I'm interested in this and I feel like other people would enjoy this, too. That's usually when I have a feeling like where I'll be like, all right, let's let's do this for sure. Mm -hmm. Some of them I'll feel like are like the 12 principles videos that I've been doing. Those are historically like some of the least watched stuff that I have on my channel. But I still feel like they're a worthwhile they're mm-hmm. a worthwhile pursuit anyway, because if nothing else, they provide a, uh, a useful source that I can point to in other videos, so I'm not having yeah. to define anticipation every single time Absolutely. I bring it up or something like yeah. that. And if I can finally ever finish the full set of them, then it'll be a nice playlist that can just show be mm-hmm. used in classrooms or something someday in 2050-something yeah. when I <laughs> finish them all. <laughs> how,
2: how, do you, uh, how do you see this uh, uh, New Frame Plus channel evolve over time? Uh, I mean, I would love to, honestly, like it's been
3: difficult to choose between the animation career and the YouTube stuff. I enjoy both of them mm-hmm. so much. I think if I could, if I had the choice, like right now to go full time, just trying to create uh new frame plus stuff, I think I would, I've just really, uh, I really enjoyed doing it. I've got a lot of ideas more than I have time to, uh, than I have time to pursue, uh, And maybe someday I will get it to that point. I would love to be able to get to a point where I could focus all of my attention and daily energy on those and just making them more often, even if it's just one every two or three weeks or something, that'd still be like an enormous boost (laughs) over what Mm -hmm. it is now. Uh, It may always just be a small thing that's a hobby and that's that's okay too, but uh, I would love to be able to pour my undivided attention into it someday.
2: And do you feel that it would be uh, financially viable to 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 do this uh, all time? To, to, to what number of views per video would it start to make sense to do this as a full-time career?
3: It's, it's hard to say, especially with like YouTube ad revenue. YouTube ad revenue is so unpredictable. And that's like the one thing I've learned to trust over time on this platform is just you cannot have confidence. Like something can change either in either in the algorithm like that can that you can't predict and can't react to that will change just Mm. in an overnight that will just suddenly like have the number of views Uh you're getting on stuff and you will have no power over it. Or they're always tweaking that, right? Yeah. Because that's always changing and getting changed and tweaked a little bit. And you can't do a whole lot. You can try to chase it to Mm. limited effect. Mm. Uh, Or someone else on YouTube can do something stupid that makes all of YouTube's ad, like, like advertisers pull their funding and then suddenly everybody hurts. So like, relying on if you're going to rely on youtube ad revenue you got to be pulling in bonkers numbers and releasing stuff a lot like if i if i could release a video getting a million views every month consistently maybe maybe but Mm. uh uh or every couple of weeks sure then yeah all right i'd feel okay i could maybe do this full time and like and and (laughs) tank whatever algorithm hits i get but uh, i feel like I just want to rely on something else that's a little bit more consistent, like a Patreon income or a, some other sort of yeah, source.
1: that's the key. I think the ones, the, the the ones, the people that are in the middle range of of numbers, they mm-hmm. tend to the the secret of the success tends to be they need to have multiple streams of revenue. They cannot Absolutely. just rely on the advertising. They have to do merch. They also need to do Patreon. I mean, YouTube has their own platform now, which like you can join a channel as opposed to just subscribe. So it's yep. sort of like essentially built in Patreon right into YouTube. So these kind of things. And if you have a decent enough loyal community that are always coming back to, for you uh, for more then you could, you know, you could sustain yourself, but it's Absolutely, still, yeah. I mean, I think you'd still be ch- like it'll, Like you said, bonkers. Some, not everybody has the kind of numbers that some of these YouTubers have, like millions. Yeah. It's,
3: just, it's and there's a I mean, ceiling on crazy. what certain channels can get to, right? Yeah, like well, there's it's a, like it's niche. It's what very niche. niche. Yeah, it's it's extremely niche. Like we, I've the mm. like the extra credits show that we made back then talking about game design. I guess it's still being made. I talk about it past tense because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> uh, the extra credits show, like game design and the game industry has like lots of people are interested in that, but it has a ceiling. When we started making yep. a show, just talking about world history and making that engaging, that has a much higher ceiling. There's way yeah, more people yeah. who are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. History made into a story with cute little like images and drawings. Like mm-hmm. heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is definitely a niche one. I think like I can <laughs> I can get some like runaway videos like the Sonic one. They're not all going to do that. No, <laughs> but,
2: do do you feel that, that? Do you feel that the Sonic one is pretty much the ceiling that you can uh, get for something because you know it's it's good quality. You already have a following. It's Sonic, so there's definitely a nostalgic value there, and there's all the right thing. We're in the so. Mm. Yes, best case scenario, one million plus uh, <laughs> views is, is kind of what, what you get. The, the best case I, scenario for those kind of niche video, I
3: think so. Like that—that that is my assumption. I think it—it it would need to be a video that, like, some videos will just come out at just the right time where they become a part of a conversation about something. Like, uh, I made one of my other. Earlier, more successful videos is I made a video about Pokemon animation like two months before the whole Pokemon animation mm. like controversy happened. And having mm. a video on the internet about Pokemon animation at a time when everyone was talking about it and trying to find other people talking about it to reinforce their arguments on the internet was really helpful. But yeah. uh, you can't always luck into that. So I feel like if you can, I think the only way I could, could like maybe top that sort of ceiling of like the Sonic sort of video would be. Happening to release a video about a big point, a big topic of discussion when it's in the middle of that conversation, which is hard to do with a highly produced video that yeah. takes like weeks and months to do so. Like, yeah, not likely you got to luck into that. Yeah, I think So, I think if you could really with YouTube, if you could release stuff steadily and consistently and build an audience, uh, I think that can help a great deal. But uh I still think that there's definitely a ceiling mm. for a niche interest like this.
2: So it's not something that necessarily influences what type of video you've chose to uh, say, Oh, I think that for this and this reason and the timing and all that. So there, there's no like strategy of the kind of content. It's more like, you know what? I feel that's a good idea. I want to do it. I think the audience is going to like it. So let's just go for it and see how it goes.
3: That's usually it. Like I, I will, if I've got multiple ideas and one of them seems more like one that is going to like, that I suspect is going to like have more of a chance of being a hit that I'll probably prioritize that one. But usually, yeah. Like when I'm choosing these things, I'm excited about the idea because I think it's like inherently like an interesting, engaging idea. And I feel like I can, I can, Package this in a way that is really entertaining and engaging for people, whether you're working in this industry or not. And yeah. I, I, I can make a story out of this, or, <clears throat> that's,
1: or that's the trick. I, and yeah. I honestly, and I believe that that's why I, I, the, your content resonates with me is because there is a narrative. It's like. You can bring people in that wouldn't I mean I saw people even saying it in the chat. They're like, you know, I found myself watching that Sonic uh video and I'm not even a Sonic fan, but they watched it because it because there was a there was a premise there. They kind of wanted to know what the friggin' the what how does it end? Like what like what was the what was the conclusion? Like, I need to know. I don't know why I need to know, but I freaking damn well do. And I think, you know, I think because I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, obviously since we started Agora community, because gore community currently is also operating in a relative. Small niche, right? I mean, not everyone's an animator. So, how do you make content um, like these conversations? How do you how do you do them in a way that like it's just appealing, anyways? Because it's like it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone who works in a different sort of field, and they it's on it's interesting that they deal with similar problems, even though it's a completely different job. And you know, it's to try to that's what these these conversations are to try to be as accessible is possible. Like we don't want them to feel like you have to be an animator to really enjoy these conversations. But going back to the idea of your specific niche, I, I've often played in my mind with this idea of only we could, if only we could find that that secret ingredient that could break through, to permeate through the barrier between this very thin, very obscure layer that seems to separate gamers, and game developers, because if you think <laughs> about it, there are a lot more people on the other side, right? If you take a look at Twitch, you like it is these these people, these these famous Twitch um, streamers, they're bringing in tens of thousands of viewers like and on, on any given on any given moment. And meanwhile, they have millions of followers. It is unreal, the kind of numbers that they have. And then you go and you look at some of the best content creators in Twitch that are dealing with the development or the art side of things. And it's like, it's like orders of magnitude smaller. And it's weird because most gamers you'd think would be at least somewhat interested in the idea of taking their passion and turning it into a career. But um, it's it doesn't seem obvious to me, at least up front. on how, how, what is that bridge? How can we kind of, how can you, you know, try to tap into that, that group and be like, hey, like you might be interested in like even just talking like listening to a little bit of this sort of intro level stuff because you might it may you might be able to change your your sort of take your your your
3: passion and turn it into a career because why not? Yeah. For sure. Like figuring out a way to yeah that that is a difficult divide to cross. And I think I suspect there is not a way to make a a kind of video or piece of content or whatever else that is Mm -hmm. that lands smack like on that line where it's intersecting both parts of the venn diagram at once right I, i don't think it's possible to make a thing that is uh like creator facing like like in this specific case like game industry facing and game like game audience facing at the same time i think what you can do is take the like we there is a hunger in the gaming audience space to understand more about why game like why they love the thing that they love, yeah, and there, for there sure. there's way more conversation about it now too. That like, there we've gone from like ten years ago, like YouTube was way smaller, obviously, but there was very very little conversation about game industry practices and workings and how stuff worked and how stuff was was made yep. and like yep. the people talking shop. There's way more of it now, yeah. And we inside the industry have a lot of knowledge and experience and information that in my like in my experience a lot of people out there who love games are interested in and do want to know but you do have to deliver it and frame it in a way that is relevant to what they are interested in exactly and a lot of them are not going to be interested in sitting and watching like here is my tutorial on how to throw together a state machine for a like to Mm -hmm. get a character Mm -hmm. around and running yeah but explaining like throwing in in a video the very basics of here is how a character can be moved in a game here is how like yeah. animations that get made in a thing get put in an engine and turn into that thing that you see in the video yeah. game you like like Kinda that's an interesting a little bit yeah exactly like pulling back the curtain a little bit to yeah show, exactly here's how this works yeah, Like we're yeah. not gonna get it we're not gonna make a tutorial like, for you right yeah, now or anything it but, has to but be here's technical. how this works but like just on a basic level so where it like t- t- like you're watching a behind the scenes feature on a dvd for a movie mm-hmm. you loved or something
1: like well this that's exactly yeah. what i was going to bring up exactly because i so joe animates in chat here he was he said uh quote-unquote interested in the idea does not oh, it just moved up does doesn't transfer <laughs> to the the concept of genuinely interested in so yeah especially when it comes to uh, watching content and he's i mean he's right but at the same time my argument against that would be the making of like lord of the rings interests lots of people that's exactly what i was thinking like of. Lord of the rings so much <laughs> so funny. well i guess it's a very very good. The making yeah. up is very good. So, and I, the question is, how? Like, what are they doing? How do they package it in a way? I think a lot of it is like the human element because people want to know more about the actors and they want mm-hmm. to know more about like they you know the, the the trials and tribulations and how difficult it was to make such a masterpiece. And in some of it's like you say, some of it's about pulling the curtain, the curtain back a little bit to sort of expose some of the magic that's going on because people genuinely like to feel smart. They yeah, like yeah. watching something like that so they can be like, hey, did you watch the Lord of the Rings? Because did you know that like everything is shot on a screen that's green? Did yeah. you know that? Why green? Well, I can tell you because I watched the, th- you know, like it's like there's a little bit of that <laughs> going on, maybe like social currency. Like there's there's some element of educating them in a very high level kind of, you know, layman way that makes them feel like, oh, I feel like I've benefited from watching this because it's something I'm interested in. And therefore, it's kind of nice to know how it was made.
3: 100%. Yeah. No, like, I think it's the same thing. Like, people getting a bit of a information like a behind the scenes information that helps you to slightly better understand what seems so cool about what you like that you can't really put a finger on but understanding yeah. a little bit more about the process of like how the whoa Andy circus was in all those shots like actually on set yeah. interacting with the actors and that was a new yeah. thing cool yeah. like just yeah. like the things that help you put into like contextualize and appreciate the thing you love even more that's yeah. always like no matter what the thing is that's always super exciting yeah, I think. yeah or yeah. a thing that you dislike but can't put your finger on why having that experience to you is can be such a relief (laughs) like Mm -hmm. understanding why like why does this why does this feel so bad why does this movement not work for me why does I know something about that cutscene looks off and I don't know what but it's like
1: like it helps your brain figure out why you felt away, you know like Like, like why like we all
3: all in this little circle discussing this thing we all agree this is bad none of us have the language for why it's bad but we all agree this is bad can (laughs) someone please tell us why (laughs) yeah
1: yeah answer Dan Floyd tell us tell us why I
3: I prefer to take a more positive aspect because Especially because like there's part i think one of the other challenges with that divide between game and like game industry interest and game like game audience is that there can be a little bit of antagonism between the two mm. Mm. and it's really totally. easy to flare like to flare that up and like mm. start <laughs> like i feel like bringing some positivity like helps to Keep that from happening because it's I like that so. it seems like the default. Yeah, I,
1: but, I mean, yeah, like I mean, the, the video games are very vocal. Video yeah. ga- gamers, like they're very vocal, and they're going to tell you when they don't like something, and they can yeah. like they, they they're they they are legion, right? And so I almost feel like sometimes just educating that mass a little bit as to just how difficult it is to make games mm-hmm. might humanize the 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 the, uh, the the conversation a little bit because it's so easy to just throw stones at something with absolutely no perspective on just literally how many people almost died to put that out there yeah. you know like you know, I I was I I shed tears over over the cyberpunk debacle. Like I'm just like the just to think of how many people worked so hard on that game, Jeez, and there is man. genius yeah. in there. There's genius inside that game, and yet it was it was put out too early, very clearly, and and all of that hard work is now like tainted with this sort of the the impression that they 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 you know they were trying to pull the wool over the the the, the consumer's eyes. No, they weren't. They they had yeah. they they're a bunch of passionate people. They're trying to make a really big game. They were excited about it logistics went wrong obviously somewhere and like you know and maybe a little bit of politics too and next thing you know it just it seems sad and i wish yeah. I, if only i could tell all the gamers that are so ripped off and so mad well hold yeah. on a second let's take a little let's take a little trip down there to see exactly what went
3: wrong yeah that's yeah. i tried to like it to communicate that as much as i can too that I, like i guarantee you as much as you are disappointed by any given thing in any given game i guarantee you you don't care as much as the person who's like <laughs> whose yeah. job that was they're more mad about it than exactly anybody. and For i because sure. i, I want to like i want to communicate that empathy and also just i think any one of us who gets into games very slowly or quickly realizes this is ridiculously hard and i don't know how good games get made ever <laughs> Like good games feel increasingly like a miracle the longer you're in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so so trying to communicate that idea to people that like, trust Mm -hmm. me, we're in here and we're working on them and we don't understand how good games get made anymore. It seems like a miracle. (laughs) And we look at other people's work. Our peers work in awe. That is (laughs) so true. I think it's good for helping to build that empathy up.
2: (laughs) I would say anyone that wants to have a peek behind the the, the curtain, there's this book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and and Pixel, that Mm is uh, looking at a couple from indie games to big AAA game, massive success, disaster production. You you have it all there. and, and, And it's such a... You know, a great perspective on so many uh production. That's definitely a, a a great read. There was also this uh, document, uh documentary, I think it was called Indie Games. I don't remember, it was there was like three production they were following. There was Super Meat Boy, there was Fez, mm, and yeah, Grade, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. That's so good. But you see, when you're talking about the passion, and you know, there's you might be passionate about the fact that you don't like what has been released, but it doesn't compare to whoever struggled for years to to, to do something and sometimes it's a masterpiece sometimes it's a disaster and sometime it's sometimes just meh yeah. you think about it for a few minutes and then you move on to something else that mm-hmm. someone just spent like yeah. 5 years of their life to to do it <laughs> that's,
0: it's like my it.
3: favorite my favorite documentaries and the ones that i recommend to anybody for like if you are interested in the production of animated films, I tr- I tell them to find the sweatbox. If they're interested in the production of games, I tell them to find the Double Fine Adventure because those are the two yes. documentaries that are, yeah. yes. those are the ones that were produced while the game was getting made. Yes. So you are not te- seeing people talking about the success story after the fact. No, you are hearing like... them speak from the anxiety yeah. of the moment that yes. games industry is. That, exactly. like, those documentaries communicate to you exactly what the <laughs> like, yeah. just what the feeling of creating these games is and how much of a just a like wallace and Gromit laying track in front of you the experience the entire experience is uh and and i put another
1: they just put one out just recently too was it was it was based on for honor the uh the journey that they that the the um, making the game the ubisoft game for honor and it was sort of falling yeah it was on netflix i I can't can't remember the name of the i'm looking uh, this up later that sounds because it's good good. it follow it follows you know it's it's um animation wow, and I mean, that is bonkers too i'm i'm, yeah, I'm very I'm interested me
2: <laughs> yeah so so for, just for chat was uh, asking what are the the name it's the Sweatbox and the uh double fine uh documentary of the game broken age right yes yes yeah correctly. the double
3: fine yeah the double fine adventure was a series of uh of documentaries amazing. that were being produced about the production of broken age from beginning to to end, like from the initial pitch, basically of like preparing the Kickstarter pitch all the way to full end of release. And it's a, it's a real roller coaster. The Sweatbox is the production of, uh, I guess your audience may not be more familiar with this one. I don't know. The Sweatbox is a documentary that wasn't really officially released and was attempted to be buried by Disney. I assume uh, that was produced about the production of the Emperor's New Groove and or mm. Kingdom of the Sun, as it was yeah. called originally. And it yeah. is very much like in. It was a documentary. All the interviews are from people who are in the thick of it while the film is maybe about to get canceled and they don't know what's going to happen. And the anxiety is real and it feels so familiar and true to just about any (laughs) production I've been on succeed or fail. Like, because there's lots of films like the Emperor's New Groove has a happy ending at the end. There's lots of films that don't like that. Those like that story can go either way.
1: Yeah, I, I just for the record, just before I forget to say it, it, it was the, the the movie was called uh, Playing Hard, Playing and it hard. Fo- it follows Jason Vanderberg, who is is a buddy of mine, and we, we got to know each other at Ubisoft. He was the creative director on For Honor, so it like literally mm-hmm. it sort of like follows him through the journey, the mm-hmm. emotional tormenting journey that is That's trying good. to give birth to a game. It's an oh, interesting, man. it's an interesting watch. You should because it, it 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 sort Go of into. does kind of expose a little bit, not everything, because obviously. You know, you're dealing with a big company like Ubisoft. I'm sure they had probably some control over just exactly how dirty the sausage making looked. <laughs> uh, on, sure. on
2: honestly, you've you went through game production before, and you kind of <laughs> see what is behind what it didn't show. <laughs> you you kind of yeah, feel yeah, it, and and you have passion and creativity yeah, on one yeah. side, and you have the big machine on the other side. That you know, yeah. there's budget, there's deadline, and we need to create a product that's going to sell copies. And those like- <laughs> two, it, it, it's the constant battle in creativity. Yeah, it creativity always is. And, Commerce and, and, and art. And, and that's something like. that in the book, Create Creativity Inc., they explain so well of how do you wrestle with this yeah. dragon that, that yeah. is, you know, <laughs> production dragon. on one side, creativity on the other side. And both of them have to reconcile and they're you know almost like oil and, and, and water. It, one is subjective and, you know, ever-changing and the other one is like, nope. We have, you know, it's super organized and all that, so. <laughs> it's, you know.
3: It's funny you mentioned that like the ability to sort of sense that there's like certain aspects of this of the mm. behind the scenes story that are being cleaned up a little bit. I yeah. I have noticed that I've started developing a radar for like watching behind the scenes and documentary stuff about productions that I know had trouble where like yeah. you can you can sense the exact places where like yeah. that's that's been sanitized heavily. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like or, I or, could see like I could see them choosing very specifically which <laughs> shots and which parts of the studio totally. they're allowed to shoot in right yeah. now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or yeah. And, and you're watching it and you're watching the people in the background and the faces that they're making it's like yeah. wait a minute that's it <laughs> yep. all right there there it is right there you see like you know like the producers talking in front of the camera and you have people in the background way in the background like rolling their eyes you're like oh god <laughs> this can't be good yeah there's all this other <laughs> little body language stuff that you're picking up on just because you're like yeah i've been there before man my spidey sense is tingling
2: yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say coming back to the double fine uh documentary i feel that th- this was a one one yeah. moment in time it's mm-hmm. because they created the kickstarter and it was yeah. attached to the kickstarter exactly. and then it was a unique situation yeah. uh, i doubt we'll see enter any it's other documentary like this that is so true real. so yeah. genuine and so real it's insane yeah. i 100 agree.
3: agree like the closest i've seen was like a no clip Uh, kind of embedding at Supergiant for their Hades doc that they did sort Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. like it's not they weren't able to get quite as they weren't quite as embedded kind of throughout the entire process so they weren't able to Mm -hmm. get quite as close a look but you at least still got sort of like to catch up with the team several times throughout the process and get where they were what they were feeling in in each sort of moment and it's it's uh, I love when those are rare treats those documentary series when you can really get a view
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the lawyers really enjoy those. Oh, yeah. They they love the idea. (laughs) They think it's it's great.
3: Huge fans. Yeah. 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 Huge fans of of (laughs) just
1: live streaming the development. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Oh, gosh, man. So obviously it's such a great idea. It's funny because, (laughs) uh, you know, it's it's big risk, big reward. Right. Ironically, for a video game, that's sort of like video games sort of base their whole success on finding that balance in the game of those two two items. Right. Those two psychological sort of uh, ingredients to a game risk versus reward is what a game is built on it's funny that that like you know there's a bit of that like i can imagine another in, in another universe a parallel universe is something like the double fine uh, game um having it be like a, a, this gigantic success and it just was amazing and and because they did it all like like virally live that it would have just generated even more hype about it and everyone who felt like they, they were involved i mean in on paper it's a great idea it's just that game making games is messy and yeah. it's like that messiness even for successful games is something that you're trying to always you know, probably try to play down a little bit because, um, which is sad because it go, works against the creators yeah. because now you have a public that don't have any idea. They just think, oh, you make video games. Oh man. Like when they, what the hell I me mean, go, go get a real job. It's like, if they only knew,
2: if they only knew. <laughs> some of us, too, know? we get paid better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't, um, man, those behind the scenes things can like the sometimes that behind the scenes story though. Just like with the Lord of the Rings stuff, though, that like if there's a story there, it can make the game feel even more special. Like there, there are so many people who are fans of like the Final Fantasy XIV MMO who the tumultuous story of that game's development and like oh, man. crash and then re- ascension is so mm. big a part of the yeah. of the love for it and the fact it's that true. the creators who are behind that like recovery are now just like mm. rock stars in the eyes of the people who totally. play that game it's like it's totally. incredible yeah. yeah
1: yeah i agree like it's part of the journey right especially these games it's, i think especially Especially because you, you know, you it's an MMO. So especially games that are live, like you know, games as a service, mm-hmm. it's a different game, it's a different ball game altogether. I mean, oh, it's yeah. like there's always that Bell delicate balance, but some that kind of take a downturn. Like, I mean, one of my favorite ones to 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 riff on is Eve online. I don't know Ooh, if you, yeah. anyone's familiar with Eve, but there was that one very trying, very, very um, uh front how, how do i say this like there was a milestone moment in the in that game that was not so long after it came out that there was that big heist right there was like mm-hmm. this this these these players were, were built like a player run bank and, and then they decided to just like run off to like the digital mexico i guess in, in <laughs> space and just disappear with all the money and i remember all the the, the fear like the actual terror that the designers felt that day because they're less like we're done we're done. Oh, people are gonna, man. but it actually did the opposite because the people who like to play a game like that play for the very even though it would piss them off and it happened, it's the it's the fact that it could that's so intriguing to them because it's like holy crap, like a real player-driven heist in game that was not <laughs> scripted. There was no AI that ripped me off, some real probably some 13-year-old living in a completely different country <laughs> that didn't even speak my language ripped me off. And I mean, that kind of excites me as much as it makes me pissed off. And I think that, you know, that's that's what's interesting. So a lot of these live games are interesting because it can like, these journeys, it's like in any, in any given moment, it is the the, the the people how people feel about that game is a product of of the years of experiencing those, those turns and those tribulations and those twists and those turns that I think that it's all part of the DNA. Right. And some games don't survive it and they just do drop off and they just disappear into like into nothingness. And other ones, they go on to, to be like the, you know, like we, we, how you describe final fantasy. It's like, they just become these ascensions. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, um, we got 20 minutes left, so we should probably cool. do some questions. Oh yeah. Yeah. That works sure. For me. Time flies when you're just nerding out about stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> Boy, it does. Uh, by, by the way, before I ask you questions, I, um, I I I wanted to start off with one really quick one, just a oh, fun sure. one. Um, Because ha, I haven't searched through all of your videos, so I don't know if this is even a thing, but I'd be curious to pick your brain. Whenever mm. I think about animation, like, and I mean, old school animation games, like ones that felt like they were literally made by a bunch of animators. Do you remember Mark of Cree?
3: Mark of Cree. I've that is one that I have not played, but that I've you I hear that name thrown need around so take a much. look at the
1: Mark of Cree because Notated. it is it is it is I'd just love to hear your thoughts on it because it is a game that is didn't didn't become a gigantic success, but I feel like a lot of people that are animators often riff on this game because they're just like, man, it's almost like the designers went off on a vacation and the animators just <laughs> took over to the office and put out a game that is for better or for worse, a very, very well animated game and full of like characterization. I don't know if anyone in chat even knows what I'm talking about. It's a very, it's a much older game than probably some of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know. I think it was PlayStation 2, if I remember correctly, but I think
3: anyways. you're right. And I, I, I should prioritize that because yeah, I've, I've heard, I hear that name Bandito around It comes about up, right? All- it does time. yeah yeah it's all the like, time
1: it's like it's like, like it's a thing of legend in the uh, sort of the game animation world
3: um but there's yeah, some yeah. games that you just look at and you can see like i feel like an animator was in charge here like for better That's or it. worse i feel yeah, like, I, yeah, like you're gonna like, know no, <laughs> you, when you take a look at this i, I mean i'm not I'm, I'm i'm
1: not saying it's gonna be <laughs> interesting enough to go make like a whole video on but like i mean i would be personally just interested to pick your brain on it and yeah, have totally. a, a follow-up conversation at some point okay so questions yeah we have one at the top here um it is um by van animator and okay. then we'll, we'll kind of alternate. That's what David and I usually do. So David, you, you can, you, maybe you'll find one in the, uh, in chat while mm-hmm. I do this. Okay. So, um, great work on the channel. Um, oh, thank you. he's buttering you up. I've been running my own for six months now, and I'm considering creating a series that with a static character that changes poses similar to your videos. I'd love to hear about your team, how long it takes to produce one video budget, et cetera. Thanks
3: for for the extra credit sort of thing that would have been a case where we had uh we had one person who was because we were trying to get those out like one a week we had one person who was writing them uh I was voicing and like show running and kind of managing a lot of the uh, just overseeing the production of of uh each of them uh we had an artist that would be on any given episode for 2 weeks at a time and there were two artists that were kind of like staggering uh weeks so we were we were working like several, like a month or so ahead of actual release schedule on on all these episodes as they were coming out. Uh, If you're wanting to do something uh, to the extra credits level, you will need to be like, the art is the big time investment on on that work. Uh, If you can find efficiencies, whether you're using just like Adobe's puppet stuff or getting like a vtuber rig or some other sort of thing that like makes it work a little bit allows you to work it a little bit faster solo then that's great it also just kind of depends on how frequently you want to be able to release these things and how uh, just the level of like production quality you want to aim for because if you're wanting to make it look super nice you could spend a long time in any given video and I don't necessarily recommend it if you're wanting to like really build an audience uh, but if you've got it. like a team and some other people you can work with uh multiple like having multiple people involved can like it it's complicated managing a production like that. Sure. But it allows you to put out way more than you could do individually. Yeah. Because so, uh, you
1: make like an assembly line. You know? you could be like doing yeah. the narrative, someone could be doing the edit. So you're always got a bunch in production at any given time, just like a a real yes. production company.
3: Yeah, very much. That's very much what the extra credits channel is entirely that way. There's like uh, six episodes in production at any given time that we're kind of keeping track of different artists working on different things. The writers are handing in scripts to me like does that whole that, that was a whole process as opposed to new frame plus, which is just like I have an idea. Now let me make the video until it's done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, on average, though, like if say for new frame plus, like how long does it usually t- take you to make like an average length um, video of the um, of the, uh, that kind of quality bar?
3: That would probably be – like it takes me – it kind of depends like, on how much time I can squeeze like in. But total hours, right? Like because hours, I mean, the weeks
1: vary because they get busy at work. Obviously, you take a couple weeks off, and then you go back to it. So like if you were to look at the total sort of consecutive hours, what would that look like, do you think?
3: I would say like a 40 to 60 probably. Oh, even, yeah. I guess. Like which which sounds kind of manageable sense. when you don't have to squeeze it around everything else. Well, uh, yeah. And it, it. and it depends entirely on the topic too. Some topics like, like the 12 Principles videos take a mm. lot longer to write because that feels like – more than anything that feels like a foundational education sort of thing where i feel like i need to explain this very well mm. i need to explain this to where other animators wouldn't see this and be like no <laughs> like and feel mad with my explanation i need to find good examples from just the entire history of games that demonstrate mm. this principle specifically in a in a like in a really clearly visual easy to see way that anyone can see not just animators so mm-hmm. like th- like some of those can be a lot harder to make than others but i would say like kind of a 60 hours on average is probably what i would guess for the average new frame plus video probably mm-hmm. unless you do a sonic type thing in which case you're looking at like 5 or 6 months <laughs> 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 i don't recommend it don't do that
1: <laughs> you sound tired at the beginning of that video it's like you can just you can sense the journey has not been an easy one uh, the the video starts with uh,
0: yeah
2: all right (laughs) oh man i felt it
3: (laughs) yeah it's
1: awesome
2: um we have one here from uh uh, joe animates Uh, um what do you think is coming from uh for games animation new technology new technique so Mm -hmm. basically gameplay animation how do you see it evolve do you see a trend uh, in the upcoming years
3: i feel like i'm not the best position to really like to even say because there's so much of that gets into like technical animation and like it's It's a lot, a lot of it's down to tools at this point. Yeah. Like just there's new technology like motion matching, which is picking up a whole lot of steam now. Mm. And there's Mm. lots of technology that allows us to do lots of, there's, there's lots of clever tech that allows us to work more efficiently and put out better looking, greater quantity of content with fewer people. But like, I don't think that I'm like positioned to really predict it. I'm, I always feel honestly like I'm a few, like I'm a year or two behind the, <laughs> the curve on information on a lot of that stuff. I'd like to be more up to date on it. Mm. Uh, my, my lack of technical like tech animation knowledge p- puts me behind a good bit, I think, in those cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it really does feel like quality level, like the only thing stopping us from achieving bonkers quality is just time and how many people mm. you can throw how many people you can afford to throw at this problem for how much time and uh, yeah. the better tools we get the better technology we get the more we can achieve with fewer people for a shorter amount of time the The more impressive stuff we can make the fact that like what the indie scene can do right now compared to like 10 years ago is bonkers. And mm. that is only going to continue, I think. Yeah. And I I think
1: that the interesting thing too is that like there's that new, I think we talked about this on one of the other streams just recently. There's this other kind of strange group that's in the middle. They're like, they, they're called like triple B studios where it's like, they're kind of indie in the sense that they're trying to stay small, but they're usually full of just a bunch of like veterans, but they're yep. trying to keep a very small footprint. And they're looking to try to create something that's li- like lies somewhere in between. That seems to be, they're popping up everywhere right now. These studios. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I love that we're still getting to such a wide variety of uh of animation styles as well. Like and yeah. that the and that the triple B and that the indie scenes are helping to like supplement what the AAA scene is doing because the triple like triple A visual style and quality is pretty consistent across many games. You'll get some yeah, stylization kind of, here and there, but it's pretty yeah. There's a sort of a there's a triple A look to a certain extent, whereas the indie scene is bringing us all kinds of wild like pixel animation stuff, traditionally animated two D stuff like Spirit Fair. It looks incredible, and uh, there's just such a wide variety like stop motion stuff too. Like heck, there's totally I agree. It's exciting. (laughs) The AAA yeah. stuff
1: is kind of getting a little old because it's kind of repetitive and it's like it just looks the same a little bit.
3: It's it's getting we're getting it's getting good enough to where it's hard to see. We're not getting big the leaps anymore because yeah. all the big leaps have happened. Like we're yeah. once you got to like kind of PS three to four ish range, like there you need. We're at the point where we need Digital Foundry to tell us what looks better. <laughs> <So> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Uh, which is a cool place to be. It's amazing how far we've gotten, but like yeah, I'm I'm glad yeah. we're still getting the the indie scene and the triple bc that's a good term for it i'm gonna start using that from now on the triple B scene <laughs> sort of a can't take taking off it. uh like really is providing us just a variety of animation styles that we wouldn't get otherwise and i mm. and seeing them get better and better equipped to do all kinds yeah. of wild stuff makes me happy
2: yeah any thoughts on the vr
3: i've only dabbled a little bit and enjoyed it a great deal i've uh i've had the opportunity to talk to uh do, do either of you know uh, richard lico the um yeah. Yeah, okay. I got to talk with him a little bit cuz he he's local. He works nearby where I do. He sure and he's does. boy his workflow is fascinating and just hearing he sure him talk is. about <laughs> hearing yeah. him talk about uh just working on uh, moss and just and just the difference of animating in a VR space is just fascinating to me. I want to as soon as I could get lunch with him again. I want to pick his brain some more. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah. we'll take the opportunity to say that he's one of our upcoming guests and we'll definitely yeah. have a good chat with uh, good. about yeah. VR because that's yeah. definitely something I'm you know very curious about how do you approach a whether it's it's a game or a short film or you know entertainment in the VR space yeah. as you are the, the the camera that'll be super interesting. Yeah
3: this yeah. I remember uh, I got like a chance to uh, like I was lucky enough to get to like visit the studio uh, and when they were kind of working on some uh moss stuff and just put on a VR headset and see just sort of like their test animation space mm. where just like all right just run around and you mm. hit the attack enemies and stuff and seeing your seeing your character like in the 3d space, like as you're just like getting to analyze the animation and just sort of like move your head around and just see what's happening. Like that feels so incredibly different from working through a viewport. It's mind blowing. I know
1: it's something about VR. it, It really makes you feel like you're, sharing the space with the creator. Like it feels like you're in their studio. Like you feel like you're touching the same things that they touched when you're looking at it on a screen. That's it's like, there's a barrier there. It feels like, Oh, okay. So like, I'm the user, I'm the end user. And then people made this stuff. But like when you're in VR, it just feels so much more, I don't know how to put it more more yeah. intimate, more more grounded, more more visceral. Like there's all kinds of cool buzzwords I could use right now, but they just it just feels it's exciting. I agree with you. It's it yeah. feels
3: different. I want to try animating in VR. I feel like the tool like the Me tools too. would be very clunky right now, but I feel like if I could actually be just like sculpting poses in 3D, like trying yeah. to like moving character controls yeah. around, oh man.
1: That's it. Yeah. Cause I don't <laughs> know if they even have that yet. I don't know if you can actually move around. Like, I mean, because Quill, which is probably the go-to yep. sort of platform for that. I mean, uh, uh, what Tilt Brush by Google has mm-hmm. something as well um um where the animation is kind of feels like you're you're painting and sculpting shapes but then you're able to kind of modify them it almost feels like a kind of like f- flash animation in a way like it mm-hmm. feels you're not like you don't have quite like an armor, like a not, and I don't I'm not experienced enough to really be able to know all the things that you can do yet but but it's not like imagine you can emulate it being like a little claymation ma- maquette and you can sort of pose it out and it feels yes. like that that would be interesting i think
3: wouldn't that be so nice it's just even just sharing the space with your character just feels so yeah, different than that sense totally. that, that would be just like amazing like totally. i remember like being at pixar just like just out of out of school and just like the first time you open up like woody or something in an Mm -hmm. animation scene and you're sort of like wow man he's just he's just right there like i can like that's that's him doing that in vr i I like i can't even imagine like what that sort of feeling of being in the same space as any given character you're working on that seems so cool to me like i don't know if that if any of that would like translate on screen to the experience of the final product but man like as an animator boy really nerd out about it
1: Just a there's a a reaction here, like from somebody in chat, like that. Yes, it's the answer question. You absolutely can. There are environments, and this is gonna be like. As a matter of fact, even you, even Unreal has a VR developing environment, so you can actually you you can develop and build sets and levels in vr which is trippy to say the least because it (laughs) really feels like you're like a this this disembodied sort of godlike being that can just like build worlds and you feel like you really are constructing something as opposed to again that feeling that there's that 2d barrier that just makes you it's like yeah it's a 3d interface but you don't feel like it's 3d at least for people that are used to it right like people have been working in 3d for a long time it just it just feels kind of a Th- that's like a 2d version of a 3d world but like when you're in vr it's like nope like this is really like a tangible space
3: yeah that feel of scale too is just yeah it's right there
1: uh, i got another question here from chat uh, i have mm. a couple more too to hit uh from uh, the, the spreadsheet here but okay. how important is it to pick up one more technical uh, so uh, pick up pick up on more technical aspects like scripting and rigging for animation in your opinion
3: i think it is not a thing that you have to do, but the more of that stuff you know, the more well-rounded you are, the more of that you have, uh like the more of that you have at your command, the more like the more you'll be able to do, the more you'll the more job security you'll be able to get because you'll yep. be able to like just do all kinds of wild things. Like this there's, there's a reason that like people like Richard Lico have and like have a reputation it's because even other animators see what he's doing is like what well, how did you come up with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, that looks great. How did you come up with that yeah, like, yeah. Or, and the only danger is that as soon as the other animators in the studio know that you can like script stuff and do tools you are going to <laughs> yeah. become a tech animator immediately good say goodbye to animating yeah. things but yeah. <laughs> well, not, I, not necessarily. It
1: depends <laughs> on the production because I think a lot of studios are now leveraging these tech animators to even do the first, like, the prototypes. Yep. So yeah, yep. what you might miss out on is you might not get the chance to do an animation into the point where it's beautiful and finished in your mind. You might be in the process of really roughing things in. And mm. this so, I mean, I agree with you on the job security front. There's a gigantic <laughs> vacuum that's forming right now for people that have those skills. And mm-hmm. I mean, make, developing a game is all about problem solving because trust yep. me, there are always going to be problems. And so the people who can put out those those fires are going to be the ones that uh, are going to be the most liked and therefore the first ones like, you know asked back on the next team because that's that's what games need we need more people that are able to do that um ideally if you're a unicorn who's very good at like like you have the, the, the artistic skills to make something great but also know how to like build and solve problems you are worth your weight in gold in this industry mm-hmm. let me tell you that right now yep you will be in high yeah. demand yes
3: That is not like, I can't claim that skill. I'm not super technical myself, but like, it's a thing that I, it's a thing that I want to be absorbing some more, uh, some more of over time, just because it just, you, it just is a force multiplier on on what you can do. Totally.
1: Yeah, it's true. Because I mean, it's like, that's the trick, right? You you can just, you could make a beautiful animation, but unless you know how to get it to play properly in (laughs) the the way that you want in the game, then it's not worth anything. Nope. Um, I got another question here on chat. Uh, let me start not chat on um, on uh, on a on a spreadsheet here. Um, okay. Old man Skippy thirty eight asks, what were the early days like when you were publishing your first videos and building an audience? Was there a moment where you wanted to just end it before it actually exploded? <laughs>
3: Like for me, like, again, the first videos I'd made were things for like class projects and stuff. Like I put it on YouTube so I could more easily present it like, okay, I'm going to hit play on the YouTube video. Here's the link. And it's on the projector now. And the first one of those was just like, I showed it to class and it was fun. A few people saw it on YouTube and it's like, Hey, it's fun. The second one I made actually did like go somewhat viral and start getting linked on like Kotaku in places. And that like that for me, that is just super exciting. And like, there's mm. a feel, just a feeling of just fulfillment from seeing, oh, wow, lots of people are enjoying this and it's, mm. it's kind of intoxicating. And so it's why I keep on doing it. Like the, the reward of seeing people enjoying what you make is really like, is really exciting. And unlike like unlike a game i can make a video in a few weeks <laughs> so like, yeah. so like yeah. for a game developer you could have to wait years or decades even if there are cancellations before you can actually oh, yeah. see your work mm-hmm. appreciated out there in the wild whereas like a if. you might
1: work it, for a decade yeah. like a decade and the game gets canceled and no one ever even sees any trace of it and like yeah like,
3: yeah, that happens so often, whereas like I get a little bit more of like that sort of fun validation of just like, okay, I've made a thing, people are enjoying it, and I'm getting that a little more frequently and steadily. Yeah. And it's, it's a thing that feels really good, and that I just enjoy the whole creative process of a lot mm. throughout. So I've, I've never really had a point where I felt like oh, I want to, I'm, I want to back out of this right away. I was, I've always mm-hmm. just been trying to micromanage and figure out how can I do both of these things at the same time and how can I arrange my schedule to make this possible
1: it doesn't didn't really seem like you were doing it for the fame or for the money you were doing it like you said as an outlet it was like you were on a journey you were going to do it regardless and so like you didn't have that moment of like why should I continue doing it it's like for some reason you had no choice you were doing it because some inner voice was telling you you needed to do it, I guess.
3: Yeah. It's more of a, like, it's not why it's how, like, yeah, how can I continue yeah, yeah. to do it? How can I figure out how to continue? And yeah, like I, am probably, I'm sure I'd have found more success if I was more mercenary about like trying to like grow and like make it a whole, uh, make it more of a business thing. But I, I be, I enjoy the creative control process, like aspect of it too much. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I do you want me to ask
1: another one, David, or you got another favorite in the chat.
2: Uh no, I didn't see any other ones in the uh, Yeah, I think people uh, there was one the, that was that.
1: kind of early. I just I'm trying to figure if I can find it. Or
2: right. um I would say there there was one that, that that I had in mind because you uh you started then at Pixar right out of school, which is, yeah. you know, already something. Uh it's and ridiculous then right so away
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and then right away went into game animation, right? Yeah, right? yeah. right after Pixar. So was that a, a master plan of your a happy accident? how did you knew that you want to go in game animation and did it was in instant? you know, uh, something that you like instantly or it was an acquired taste to actually enjoy gameplay animation, which is completely different from you know, so what different. you would read at, at Pixar. <laughs>
3: it's very different. I So when I'd like been in school and, or like, and starting to job hunt, I'd sort of assumed that I was going to be getting into game animation because like games were where my main interest was. But at the time when I was getting a reel together, finishing up Animation Mentor, I saw, oh, Pixar Canada is like, is hiring whatever what, what could it hurt send it off forget about it Who like never it. hear never hear about that again and then i for whatever stupid reason got hired to actually work there and it was an incredible experience and so i was like i'll i'll take it cool okay mm-hmm. and i loved getting to work there i learned a ton uh, but as soon as that studio closed i was starting to think like okay what are my options there's <laughs> there's a lot of uh there's some other animation studios around here in vancouver i could consider that there's some vfx houses which seem a little bit miserable but like i could i could do that too like i've just i've heard lots of bad stories i know experiences vary in that scene but Mm. i've heard some rough stories from there uh or i could just start looking into game stuff and so i just i applied to a bunch of different places and took interviews at lots of places just trying to find like at that point i was doing youtube a lot i was very heavily invested in doing extra credits we were several years in by that point and so i had to find a place that would allow me to keep doing that and that uh was a little tricky but like i had to keep looking until i found one and i ended up finding a game studio where the boss was cool with it and uh like I'm very gr- glad for that, but that's how I ended up doing games. And honestly, I wanted to I wanted to learn more about game animation firsthand too, because I'd, I'd been trying to learn it from like secondhand, like uh, watching GDC talks and stuff like that, but there's no real replacement for actually just being in it and learning <laughs> from experience. So uh, I, I'm glad I did because it, it helps me to talk about game animation way more with a, a lot more accuracy now mm. now that I've actually done some of it and can have much more of a frame of reference for Mm -hmm. what I see in other games around me around me so yeah Yeah. you
1: you said you said tricky and I I assume that the trickiness comes from not all companies would be willing to allow you to be speaking so openly about the stuff that you do because there's obviously you know legal concerns and liability right
3: yeah yeah like there's some companies that do the thing where they want to like they want to own every single thing you make while you're working Mm -hmm. for them which that sucks and I don't if you have a choice try to avoid getting hired by those places or try Mm -hmm. to find work somewhere else but there's also like especially in an industry as secretive as the uh game industry can be there's a lot of anxiety about having employees who have a public persona mm. that you don't have any authority or control over mm. that's a like and i can understand that that's scary <laughs> for a for a for a game company that's trying yeah, yeah that's yeah, trying to keep secrets companies. and wants to control the release of information about their yeah. product that they're working on yeah. uh so like uh finding a studio that is cool with you like having a public persona and your own thing that you work on is really nice. And when you find that it's good to sort of make good on that trust, I think. Like, so I, I try to keep my, these lives as separate as I can, just so, uh, just so, cause it can only end in tears otherwise. I
1: think that's uh, good advice uh, in general, because there, there is there are is a you know there's a, sp- a full spectrum of different studios with different different sort of perspectives on this particular problem. And if you are the type of person who is very entrepreneurial and like have their own projects and they have their own like your project is the, 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 this amazing content you put on YouTube. It's like your intellectual property. You're spending the time and energy doing it. Other people's uh, projects could be maybe making their own little casual game on the iPhone yeah. or whatever. whatever it might be, um definitely definitely don't be shy to ask that in the interview because you know if that's an important part of your life you're going to want to make sure you don't find yourself at a job that uh, tries to have you sign away those rights you know absolutely you gotta yeah balance that, that equation because there are studios for sure which is you know it's great for those out there who can hear this right now there are definitely our studios that are willing to be cool with that because they they know that they would rather have entrepreneurial thinkers people that are creators people that are ambitious enough to put themselves out there and be self-actuating that those are the kind of people they probably want on the floor so yeah turning so. One of those people would kind of work against their benefit their, their 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 needs so they have to find a way of balancing that a little bit and then they have D- different companies have different policies, but don't 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 be shy to bring it up in a, in an interview.
3: Yeah, no, no, I, I can't imagine a case where asking that in the interview would get you in any kind of trouble or diminish your chance of getting the job. It's just good information to have up front. Yeah, exactly.
2: And uh, I would say when is the time that you know that they want to hire you, and there might be you know salary discussion, vacation, and all that is the perfect timing to bring this yeah. up and say, "Oh, by the way, I'm doing this," because at mm-hmm. that time, most probably it'll be like, "Yeah, well, well, yeah, we we still want we want to hire you," so yeah continue yeah. what is this thing oh yeah you you can do that yeah, yeah exactly it's, and honestly after going to go see your producer it's a hey, by the way no one's yeah, not to bothered there. with your that's, story it's no. that's not the timing anymore. that's no. that's a
3: bad time you don't want to know yeah definitely ask early and sometimes these like you're right these extra things can be helpful like i think i had an easier time getting a job in the game industry because I I mean, I was coming from film, and so like when you have got an animator who's coming from film, there's a little like studio anxiety of like, okay, do they are how interested are they in games? Do Mm. they know how doing this stuff works? Being able to point to and say, hey, I've been running this series for several years that is entirely about the game industry and how stuff works. Like I, I've yeah, like I, I know this scene somewhat, not firsthand, but I know a lot about it. and I'm interested. Like that Mm. helped get me the job too. So like yeah, and there's it's weird like the skills that weirdly the skills i'm using to do youtube stuff are getting pulled in at the day job now increasingly like i've 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 make lots of like videos for internal studio use to like help communicate product product vision and to help like just to do just to do research we're like okay there's not a lot of animation i can do right now Mm -hmm. i can go study here's a system that we've been wanting to make our animation better on like we want to do climbing better let me go dig up a bunch of games that have climbing let me get footage let me put together basically a small Mm -hmm. new frame plus video for just the studio not for outside release that has information so, I can do the research and not everybody has to play 15 games. Totally. So, like, like that, that's actually really helpful. So, extremely
1: helpful. As a matter of yeah. fact, Ubisoft had this amazing department that I always thought was genius. It was like literally a department of people that just did this. It that's was a great was, idea. Was a game yeah. Lab, and their job was they, when a new game came out, because they knew that their employees were busy making games and making money for the company, they don't all have the time to play all of the games, but yet, it's 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 important that we know what those references are because the bar is always shifting because of these other games, right? You, I, I've been on games that have lasted uh, enough years in production that are target reference game changed like five times. <laughs> and so if you're not staying on top of those things, it's difficult. So what they did is they, they solved the problem in a really interesting way. They found someone like you, someone who's very good at communicating ideas and analyzing in a way that is very easy to consume. And they have a, a team of people that are playing the game for you and doing reports. And these board reports were both uh, re- um, um, readable reports, which was like the full report would be a, like a document, but also there was like a, a video that, was get, that would get created that would literally walk you through the basics it's almost like a game review but game review by a developer so like looking through the lens of these are the important things if you take a look at the core gameplay loop this is clearly the you know and this right here was obviously this we, 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 we would call this the breakthrough of the game it's the hook it's why you would want to buy this game and like they like they look at it from that perspective which is similar just instead yeah. sort of like it's like you're looking at you know in outside in as opposed to like from the outside it's just yeah, it's, it's just a, a different audience like with the specific information they need to know for what they're it, doing exactly yeah. So it was like a, re- it was like Reader's Digest. It was like a way of just, you know, you could, you could sort of consume it quickly, understand all the highlights and the important things without even having to play the game.
3: That's awesome. Bosh, I would love to, I would love to get access to the library to see the work they've done. That sounds so cool. Yeah.
1: yeah it was, it was, you would be awesome at it. And like, I think. <laughs> oh, thank that- you. Well, I mean, like you, <laughs> your body of work speaks for you right now. I think everyone would admit that that would be a very easy thing for you to be able to do. Uh, but yeah, there's, and there's there's a lot of money in that because there's like people like game companies realize that understanding the market and be able to analyze it like that. Like it's one thing because it's what torments torments these companies is a big game comes out as a huge success. And then they're like, but we don't know why. So it Mm. takes people to at least have some sort of hypothesis and someone who actually takes a crack at trying to answer the why. (laughs) Otherwise, no one's ever going to have a hope in hell in ever trying to reproduce it. And truth is, it's a tricky thing. Just like you said, like about the algorithm, the the, the rules are always changing on what makes a a video successful and viral. Same thing for games. So you're chasing you're chasing after a rainbow that's like it's changed its destination five times by the time before you even got to the, even close to the end of the rainbow.
3: Yeah. And there's so, so many games coming out. Like no one person can keep up with all of them anyway, especially yeah. if they're also working in the industry at the same exactly. time. Like you just, you,
1: there's no time. <laughs> there's no time of the day. There's no time. And like, yeah. but by, 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 because you, you, we learn best from mistakes, right? And so if yep. you can learn from other people's mistakes as well as their victories, then you might have a better chance in producing one yourself. Absolutely. Um, it's seven minutes after 12. Um, I uh, would certainly, we would not want to keep, uh, or, or, you know, we wouldn't want to overstay our welcome. Um, <laughs> so I would like to take this time right now to thank you from the bottom of the community's heart. It's been uh, a slice of fun and it's always, it was nice to meet you. Uh, it was the first time I ever had a chance to, to talk with you and it was it was very, um, very entertaining and very awesome and enlightening at the same time. So thank you for oh, being thank here.
3: You. Thank you very much for inviting me. This has been a blast
1: awesome yeah we'll have to welcome. find a, some 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 excuse to, to to pair up again and do something fun maybe maybe something about a game called mark of cree wink wink
3: i'm <laughs> gonna go find like a pink gorilla copy down if
1: you ever do email me out of the blue i'd be i would i would love <laughs> to like have a beer and talk about how you feel about that game because it's kind of so old now
3: it's, as soon as oh. i pick it up and play it you'll be first to know
1: i love it i love it <laughs> okay good all right well david i will bid you adieu sir thank you for uh yeah. always being here and uh It's always good company. And, um, and thank you, Daniel. Um, we'll see you around. Cheers dudes.
2: Bye guys. (laughs) Bye.
1: Okay. Well, another, um, another conversation with, and another, um, another fun journey down, um, a nostalgic road of, um, of just talking about games and um i mean we don't always talk about games obviously this uh, particular conversation revolved around that because obviously daniel works in games as an animator and um he, had, he spent countless number of hours as we now know producing videos on the topic of games uh, animation for games which is uh, as we talked about a very niche very niche topic of uh, of knowledge so it's amazing that he's able to sustain a viewership, um, considering how new that is, and uh, we're we're all better off because of it. Because, God knows if if someone it takes someone to you know we don't have the have the time to be able to or even the mind to analyze what it is we're actually experiencing. So it's nice for someone to just take a moment and ask those questions. Why? Why is it like this? Why is this game fun and this one's not? Why does this animation work and this one does not? I mean, that's good. I find that that's interesting for people who people who play on a on a a casual level of knowledge, but it's it's extremely important for people who make games because um, it is um, there's no necessarily black and white, right and wrong way of doing something in a game. Um, There's still lots of room to pioneer and find new and and interesting ways, especially when there's formats like VR that's coming out, like the, the, the rules are always changing. And so it's like always this sort of it's always relearning what you already thought you knew all the time um, and technology um and um and um and just creative new ways of experiencing are are the cause of that particular circle, this evol- this this evolving circle of of learning all the time. And that's I think that with there's one thing that I would say I mean, that came up about technology, I don't think you need to be necessarily. Um, I I become so technical that you're able to do all those things like a technical animator. But I think just at least understanding the trends and understanding, um, you know, where technology is, technology is heading so that you can at least inform yourself. Because I think understanding the technology, at least to a a certain level, allows you to maybe have interesting ideas that might leverage the technology. So I think, um, you know, you don't want to be a stranger to it. You should always sort of try to try to stay informed. And I think it sounds like a really good way of doing that would be to watch more Daniel uh, videos, I think maybe. Um, I'll shut up and let this uh, let this, uh, this stream go to bed and uh, we'll see you on the next one. So cheers and have a good night.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.